Borak Thongerthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 140th episode of Space oh Spinner 2000. <laughs> yeah, buddy. A podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for December 1985, progs 447 to 450. This time, it's Christmas in Mega City 1. Johnny Alpha and Wolf party in the past. Rogue Trooper faces a new threat. And we, at long last, enter the Tomb of Terror. Oh my god, get your dice, pen, and also paper ready as we dive into this uh, super kind of uh, not easy to do. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Physical comic (laughs) book, I guess. I I also don't have dice in my house, as I discovered. Um, oh my gosh! I, yeah, I'm really upset because like I, I got I, I got so many dice, dice in this house. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but I can empathize not having them for sure. Oh my god! But uh, I did put things to paper. I know how I fared. We're gonna find out how you fared. We hope you all out there in listener land fared well. For we are going to the tomb of terror. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case, Files 9, Rogue Trooper, Tales of New Earth 3, Strontium Dog, Search, Destroy Agency, Files 3, The Mean Team Collection, and Slain the King, as well as Best Future Shocks. Damn. Although, Slain, Slain the King... Or is it just like a thing? No, we're, well, we're going to get to it. <laughs> um, Slain becomes a king. It's complicated. You know, I can't say more than that. I will say that I'm all about barbarians becoming kings, man. Totally. I will say that um, I think that collection only has the story parts of Tomb of Terror. It doesn't have the whole game part of it. That's a little harder to have collected, I think. poopy. Yeah, it's a bummer for sure. But speaking of all that, Fox, let's go to Thrills 1 and 2, Slain, and you are slain. It's the spoopy tomb of terror. All these like yeah. bones and fish things going on. It's gross. It's Gotta. Really gross. So I think for this one, I'm going to put... I initially had these as two different thrills, but I think I want to merge them together a little bit, Fox. I just mean, to have fun to do. Yeah, exactly. And just because also I feel like, you know, the, the solutions get spoiled if you go through and um, and talk about what happens in the story before you get to the game part. Yeah, so, kind of, right? Yeah, so we can do it uh, prog by prog. It should be good. Um, so yeah. a script robot, Pat Mills, art robot, Glenn Fabry, David Hughes, and Gary Leach, letting robot Steve Potter. We, so we open Slain with the pinup from last episode, the giant tomb of the Scythron god Grimnismal. You can it's real see, big. It's real big. You can see the tiny shadows of our heroes walking its giant steps. And the whole thing is just this crazy, um, like, Aztec by way of H.R. Geiger kind of look to it. And I really love it. Yeah. It's real great. I mean, my I guess my immediate question is they've got, like, four kind of culvert outlets just at the bottom of this thing. And I'm like, how much? <laughs> what are they dumping, you know? Because you got to keep mean, that blood for the blood orgy and, you know, or blood god, whatever. But... Like, also, like, is there that much poop going on? You gotta dump it outside and right next to your stairs? I mean, I feel like if there's one if there's one group of villains I can expect to be extremely gross, it's these Scythrons, you know? 
Like, well, at least they've they're not above plumbing, you know. Or not no, well, no, but they, you know, for them, their plumbing is just to sort of be advanced, have advanced technology to lord over us, uh, us puny mortals, you know. But that's really fair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's also a huge glamour shot of Nest, like as the palace is rocking yeah. from this quake, like in the uh, Temple of Discovery. I think they're they're still in at this point. Like, I guess you just, gotta have your TNA and your barbarian comic. <laughs> I mean, definitely. If anything, like Nest is really like the lowest level of this stuff. Um, Stephen Reed from the Everything Comes Back to 2000 AD podcast on his Facebook, he's like, I, I think he's reading like the old Marvel Conans and the Jonah Hexes, mm. and and the Conans are just, you know, they aren't by like Frank Franzetta, but they all have that sort of aesthetic of like, ah, uh, yes, like you uh, know, yeah. mighty food Conan with like a a, a, a a partially clothed buxom wench at his feet, you know, <laughs> that sort of aesthetic. <laughs> So Ness is actually pretty well covered at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's also like, uh, I mean, they really just keep laying into her a lot. But she's, uh, you know, she's an educated woman. She yeah, she knows what pretty. she's doing. Yeah. Um, so Grimnismal is waking up, but at this point, it's still vulnerable. So we got to take him out because otherwise he'll soon awaken and enslave the stars. And I really like... Or like, I guess, maybe not. <laughs> I love this well, no. beginning conversation. Well, because it's like both Slain and Murdak are like, enslave the stars, huh? Like, that's not us, then. We're fine. <laughs> Let them do it. <laughs> Seems to be like a win-win. And then Mirrodin, as usual, is like pooping like, on the parade. Yeah, dude, like, you live in the stars, buddy. Like, that include You're inside this Venn diagram, bro. You know? <laughs> Oh, so, God. so I guess they, like yeah. easily, easily convinced it's time to laser sword the shit out of this like uh, Scythron lady, I guess. I mean, they're also heroes, so it's easy to pull them into heroic deeds, you know. Um, there's also supposed to be tons of riches, which Ucko's also interested in. <laughs> hey, sure, why not? Yeah, the real question is what to do with, like you said, it's what to do with this Scytheron chick that Nest made fall in love with her at the end of last yeah, story, uh, Oehu. Who's this weird, ridiculous, like, Scythron lady? She's got no nose and, like, big black eyes and stuff. Yeah. It's really she's funny because. She's crying as she's begging Nest to yeah. save her life. Yeah, and it's real funny because everybody is really down with Slain executing her. Like, even Murden <laughs> is, you know? Like, everybody's just like, yeah, kill her, whatever. It, <laughs> Mirrodin gets real weird these next couple of comics where he's just like, dispose of this wretched girl and then later also makes remarks. He's like, well, I'm only half human, so. Yeah, well, you know, he's he's probably feeling his Scythron nature so close to the Scythron gods, right? Um, yeah, I guess so. But so, but before Slane can execute her, she says that she can help them through the maze of the tomb. She leads them to a, a trio of doors, um, and suddenly they're attacked by uh, Diluvian Scytheron troops. And there's this real awesome group picture as they all like get their swords out and prepare to fight. And it's real neat. Oh man, wet your blades, bros. Yeah, and that takes us to the part one of "You Are Slain." Oh man. Um, I love this little section here. I think it's really cool and a really inventive way to do things with the comic and stuff. Um, oh, like sure. this, this, this section is sort of ahead of a new comic that's going to be coming out in '86, in early '86, called Dice Man, where Pat Mills had this idea. And there's all these 2080 stories with these sort of like single player role playing game, like dice game kind mm. of things. 
It's only going to run like four issues, but I think it's a really interesting concept, I guess. So, so the only question I had, because yeah. I'm guessing this is true. So I rolled my rating, um, mm-hmm. right, which is what you're supposed to do. And yeah. then you're supposed to add it to all of the other guys' ratings? Yeah, basically, the way they set it up is you've got, like, the team of the guys going into the tomb. And mm-hmm. then you add all those up. It adds up to, like, 65. And then you roll t- uh, two six-sided dice and um, add the add that to that. Well, I super lucked out. I rolled a four. <laughs> nice. I got a seven. So yeah, we're coming. I'm coming in with sixty with a seventy-two war points or whatever. I got a hot <laughs> sixty-nine. You know, oh, just right nice. that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So first off, we got to fight these deluvials, and basically the way you do it is so I'm gonna call you roll two six-sided dice. I'm gonna call them two d six because I'm a nerd, um, but two six-sided <laughs> dice, and. And we're going to add one because we got a laser sword, apparently. And that's just to give us an edge on these bad guys, basically. So you roll 2d6 plus one for our side and 2d6 for the bad guys. And then you subtract the difference from whoever's side rolled lowest um, warp rating, basically. So, and then if you get to zero, you die. But if you beat your opponent, you get their initial warp rating back to your life total. So it's possible nice. if you roll real good to gain life in the course of fighting instead of just losing oh, it, basically. Weird. I forgot to add some of my, when I when I totally beat the shit out of a gargoyle later. All right, I oh, yeah, you got to be careful. But so, yeah, so I fought these deluvials. Um, I rolled real bad initially, so oh, like really? I ended up losing nine warp rating during the course oh, of the fight. So I only got shit. one from the fight. So I'm at seventy three at the end. Um, <laughs> so at the, I yeah. let's see. I did a. I, I think it was a two round combat situation. I or no three rounds. Mm-hmm. So I. Um, uh, it was best two or three. So I he hit me <laughs> once. Um, and I took two damage, so that was pretty mm-hmm. dope. Uh, and slayed the shit out of him. Got my seventy-seven warp or my warp strength up to seventy-seven because I totally oh, got nice. ten ten yeah. rating. For yeah, that power goes up. Yeah. So next which up, we had to make the, a which uh, choice ahead. did you make? Oh, sorry. Oh yeah. So next up, there's the choice, which is you got to choose one of the three doors that away who showed the guys the, in the comic. Um, and to either either trust the devil girl and go down the first and go down the middle passage or take the right or the left. And I'm deciding to be trustworthy. So I took the middle path. Nice. I did the same. All right. We're cool dudes. And I like how, you know, there's certain say coming weeks. and There's this fun thing about um, saying like, hey, if you're like a, a game master in a D&D game, like, why not use this in your campaign, buddy? You know, a bunch of questions and thoughts and stuff. Hey, why not? (laughs) So back to Slane. They're they're embracing that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Totally. Yeah, it's real. Like, this is real, like, 1985. Like, we got to get these nerds in here kind of stuff. (laughs) It's awesome. Totally. Yeah. So next up, Slane cuts into the Deluvials. He's liking (laughs) this laser sword and he decides to give it a name because that's what you do when you like your cool swords. He calls it Blood Prow, which I think is pretty ridiculous. It's Um, so weird. Because it bites into his enemies and leaves a wake of death, you know? Oh, man. Do you get it? Do you get it? Because it's like a boat. Totally. Um, Or like a, yeah, like a a thing plowing the earth or something. Yeah. but yeah, so the Deluvials are beaten. Slain composes a sweet battle poem about it. 
<laughs> my fiery sword weathered the battlestorm well when it struck it sprayed in the air and not with sweat crimson the sea through the which the blood prow sails doesn't really Very rhyme poetic. i don't know i'm trying to find the meter for it <laughs> <laughs> i think it's barbarian meter which is all over the place Certainly could be. Yes, so uh, they follow Oehu through her room. I think it's really funny. Something I really noticed is that for the first four, the first three progs of the story, I feel like they, they didn't check what Oehu's name is because they just call her the devil girl the whole time. <laughs> like they don't, they don't say your name until 450, which I think is pretty funny because she's so central oh, to the shit. story. But they, <laughs> they take her to her room. Um, so they follow to the room. They fight over who gets to sit in the bed. And like Slane's like, hey, Uncle, get out of there. And Ness thinks that he's clearing the way for her. But nobody, he's sitting in that bed himself. Um, oh, fuck yeah. He is, he is not about to uh, let up on a sweet bed, I guess. And then maybe he's got a, some raw meat. Yeah. Yeah. A way who gives them like just some random like food for the various human experiments in the temple. And it's definitely just a whole bunch of like raw meat and experiments just lying around for people. Oh, <laughs> she, she's yeah, and we learned that like they eat like uh, that. Scythrons eat prana, like processed from human beings or whatever. But right. so now, yeah, now nourished, the team moves through the streets of Gulag and finally arrives at the Temple of Grimnazol, and it's pretty big. It's pretty cool, <laughs> dude. It's awesome. I like how they do this close up of like toes, like it's a yeah. really tall f- people. Feet, the gigantic. The larger shot, he doesn't have toes. Maybe they're just moving through different statues or something like that. But I like that too. Oh, that's that's this big, like one of the giant statues that just is that gulag is full of. This one has like some, like one of the toes has been like broken or something. So it's got real jacked up <laughs> yeah. feet. <laughs> All right. So in the game, Fox, we both trusted the devil girl. So we got to skip the various fights. If you didn't, you would have had to fight a dog man or a type four battle or got. Um, not great yeah in slay in us the scythron's room we rest and we get back six war points so i'm at 79 at this point nice and you can choose two things to eat and i chose the chef's special which was a pudding covered in oozing green slime washed down with an orgot ale what did you choose so uh i chose the sick soup uh, the yellow with diced carrots in, followed by a Ooh. side of shaggy beef, medium rare. Nice. <laughs> so we'll see what happens at the end of that. And then next up, um, we got to choose how we were going to enter the temple. I decided to go through the temple doors because I have no fear within me. <laughs> Dude, right? That's exactly what I'm, I did. I'm like, just kick this shit open and let's do a fucking cool shit time fight. Yeah. Totally. One new thing now is that we're also getting time into this. So I guess there's yeah. six hours until Grimnismal uh, awakens and wrong choices cost you extra time. So I'm going so into. Yeah, Go I ahead. did some shorthand for this. If you uh, if uh, you know, because we're going to be doing this for a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So there's 48 blocks on the thing. So every right. time I have to pass time, I will just etch in a block. So it's like I've got nice. one block so far yeah. of time. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, so it, it, exactly. So I'm finishing this one, yeah, with uh, 79 warp and six hours left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. So let's see. I am at, oh, God. Well, we don't, I, we haven't lost like any time at this points. point, right? So it's the third uh, one that we start losing I think, time. 
wasn't it because we rested? We no, we it's at the minutes? oh, that's it, the next one. We start losing time next time. Yeah. In the so in the, yeah. I'm at 87. Good lord, and 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 full time <laughs> at this point. You're you're kicking my ass here. Uh, Slain and crew take the side entrance and find a slime covered corridor full of cobwebs and silence, except for the constant Ooh. groaning of Uko's stomach because he got he felt bad after eating that rat pie. The <laughs> man, don't eat rat pie. Yeah, Dude, that's just uh, number one. No. I mean, definitely. The uh, I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, I made a better choice, I guess. The team sneaks past an Orgot guard room, but they're too busy banging their heads against each other to notice uh, our heroes. But So I guess do- that's just a thing. Yeah, well, they got like a like a dartboard for it, like how you're supposed to hit your head on the board to like get points or something. It's pretty good. Yeah. As they sneak past, though, they're spotted by a human captive who's about to be eaten by the Orgot, and Myrden orders her to be left behind and like closes the door on them and stuff it's real crazy but he's really gods... just a great isn't he doing all the good things in the universe mr good guy he's like that's inhuman he's like hey i'm only a half human man so whatever with that um I just like isn't he the one who's supposed to do all the good magic yeah you but know? i think well yeah he does the good magic stuff but i think he's also like um like at this point, he's also dealing with with Grimnismal, like like coming back to life and stuff. So I yeah, think that sure. that might be like you know, it's it's key, you know he's got to keep his eyes on the prize and make some hard choices and stuff like that. You know, oh, that's fine, I guess. This poor woman. Yeah, <laughs> you know, these guys. But um, <laughs> so hey, we're gonna shut this door. But I yeah, guess so these they guys shut the door. Really like getting balked. Yeah, so one of the one of the uh, orgots, so the orgots try to break through, and one of them agrees to be a battering ram, which is pretty awesome. The head goes <laughs> flying through the windows, and like Slain just decides to do a a, a takeoff of the shining here, <laughs> as he gets all crazy against the orgot whose head has gone through the wall and stuff like that. Like to me, Slain looks super like Jack Nicholson in the shining. Oh here. yeah, big time. <laughs> totally. He like punches <laughs> he the head. Super evil. <laughs> totally he punches the head a couple times and like it's uh and like it seems to like it because it just likes uh, uh head trauma <laughs> and then slain's like hey i know what i'm gonna do and the orgot looks real worried and it just cuts that guy's head off <laughs> <laughs> the they seem to be safer now but the human slave runs away from the orgots and is seemingly leading the leading them back to our heroes oh man God damn it, human woman. Yeah, get out of here. So, okay, so in the game, the chef's special turns out to be a deadly Scythron ex- experiment with like a still living hand that attacks me and I got to oh fight my God. it. I think you picked the right choice, right? So you like gained life from? Uh, the, yes, I gained soup- four yeah. warp rating. Ah, you bastard. Um, then by taking the main doors, both of us get jumped by a gargoyle and we got to fight that oh. too. I crushed um, this thing. It was like two rolls. I got um uh what is it? Like a seven plus one twice. Oh the nice. just fucking melted in my fucking hands. And it got a four <laughs> twice. It was great. It was just so nice. Cool. Oh man. Look at us talk about our dice rolls. We're like a common Arnold Rimmers oh. here. <laughs> Real good. <laughs> so, so wait, do you take their warp rating and add it to yours? Yeah, their initial warp rating. So you get you, you get nine if you uh, so okay. you get nine back Jesus for defeating the, the the gargoyle. Plus nine. Okay, <laughs> that puts me at ninety six. 
Whoa. Yeah, I ended up... Well, for um, this, I gotta yeah. do other things. I ended up getting use. a total of 89 warp after taking out both the hand and the gargoyle. And Ooh. now I'm at 89 warp rating, and all of this previous adventuring takes 10 minutes, so I'm at 550. And it looks like now Murden will start doing magic to help us beat some stuff. But in that same sort of classic uh, slain cosmic balance... If Murden does magic, it also costs us time. Now it makes it causes uh, Gribnazal to wake up more, or w- oh wake up God. more quickly. Basically, yeah, I'm I'm kind of skeptical about using this this magic MacGuffin until I absolutely have to. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about my rolls at this point, but maybe that'll change yeah. as we go through. Um, so mean, nothing nothing's gonna touch my 96 at this point. <laughs> oh damn! So we end this one with a choice about this escaping slave lady. And I am going to pull her to safety and blast the Orgots, the ceiling with my laser sword, because I'm a badass. I did the same exact thing. I felt like the rest of, some of these choices just feel really horrible. Yeah, <laughs> one's just to sort of leave her behind and mutter, it's not my problem. And then the other one is to have Murden cast a spell, you know. So Murden casts a spell and you succeed automatically, but it costs you like 30 minutes on your time, basically. I didn't so, feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, I want to save this time for later in the story, man. So, in the in the actual story, Sling does what we did and grabs the slave girl and brings down the roof with his laser Fucking sword. Awesome. All right, yeah, <laughs> just shoots uh-huh. a beam out of a sword. Why? This is awesome. I want to I mean, do this. Yeah, we've seen him blast guys with swords before. Like that's yep. where we took down um, what's his name, Elfric, and stuff. They had a beam battle with slain sword oh, and yeah. stuff. Um, it's so than that the, uh, laser the, pistol that wasn't a laser pistol. Mm, totally, yeah. No, so you know, swords are cooler than guns. Like everybody knows it. It's just that guns are <laughs> guns are better in pretty much every other category. You know, <laughs> unless your sword is actually also a laser. Yeah, well, I mean, if you can turn your sword into a gun, then that's a whole different situation. You know, <laughs> then you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the slave girl is worried about Oehu, of course, because she doesn't like Scythrons, but they manage to calm her down. The team goes deeper into the tomb and decide to start calling this lady that they saved uh, Gia, because she says that a lot. The team passes into a giant hallway full of statues, like, again, giant statues, with big piles of riches on their bases. Oh, it's Seems awesome. dope. Yeah, it's a very kind of Minds of Moria kind of full page, like, you know, big columns, big statues kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who begs begs her gods for forgiveness as they enter in, and Ukko seems to join in as he fills his cheeks full of gems and gold, like a, some kind of uh, Midas hamster. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, suddenly something comes from behind them and they hide. It's the sloughs, those shadow monsters now in like robes with sensors and stuff chanting about the return of Grimnazol. Grimnazmol. The team follows them, but as they do, one of the red shirts on the team triggers a trap. He takes an arrow to the chest and dies, cursing away whose name. Whoa. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a bummer and a double bummer because now we know this whole place is covered in traps. <laughs> oh snap, how are we gonna yeah. know which thing isn't a trap? It's real bad. Anyhow, next time on Slain, the dreams of Grimnismal. Oh yeah. Yeah, pretty excited. Okay, so then the final part of the game here. Um, yeah, we both chose wisely and took down those Orgots, feeling pretty good about it. 
the Mm -hmm. other choice would have lost us a lot of time from using the magic or being forced to fight some kind of giant bird monster, which I don't know. But anyhow, all that adventuring takes us down to 10 minutes or at 540. And this week, they're adding in another new element, which is treasure points. Ucko's already stolen 10 points of worth of treasure. And so now we got to... You know, like, if we want to, I guess we can start gathering up treasures. Might have something to do with the end also. Um, Mm. And so this week ends. The choice is that we get a map of this temple area. And you've got to sort of chart your course sort of brick to brick. Presumably there'll be traps and stuff. And if you go along the walls, you can also pick up treasure from the uh, statues. So whatever. And then there's there's also... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say there's also four different ways to leave this room. Um, like there's like sort of going into different parts of the t- the uh, temple or heading into the tomb interior. So mm. my route is that I'm going for the tomb interior, but first I'm making my way to the north wall. And I'm going to be following that wall until I get to the, um, you know, right to the e- exit of the of the tomb, basically. So I haven't written mine out yet, but I think that that's a pretty good idea when i went back and i was like kind of looking at what the temple looked like there's specifically especially on the south wall a bunch of these weird hunched over frog mouth things yeah the the deluvians yeah that's i'm not looking i'm thinking that that's that's a thing given that they shot a spike out their mouth (laughs) oh yeah that's a good call so i think you're making the right choice yeah okay so i think you're making the right choice i do think that i i'm gonna guess that the traps are kind of in the middle so they can do a shooting at you but i think the north wall is a good choice i'm thinking the tomb interior i want to hit as many treasure piles as i possibly can yeah definitely i'm trying to trying to get this guap buddy you know um (laughs) anyhow (laughs) awesome man i'm having a good time with this story this is one of my favorite things in 2000 ad and the last time i read through i just sort of read it and didn't really play so i've you know this was all like five years ago and actually read it. So I don't remember the answers. So I'm just sort of trying to, you know, <laughs> um, I promise I'm not cheating guys. I'm doing my best. Um, and <laughs> I'm loving sort of, it. So yeah. So far, I think it's, it's been, I've been rolling pretty good. Yeah. So I think it's going to be cool and, and we'll keep doing this. And, you know, if you guys want to find the copies and play along, I feel like you should, and we can all, you know, go on Twitter and talk about how we're doing in the game. And that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that's right. And Hey Fox, speaking of be it being time to play the game. It's oh my god. <laughs> Thrill three mean team. Man <laughs> What the fuck mean team? Crazy buddy. Uh scripted by John Wagner and Alan Grant as the Beast, art by Massimo Bellardinelli, letting about Tony Jacob. Just one mean team this this episode. Sure, so, but I mean damn <laughs> set things up, yeah. Uh so Mean Team has has crashed on Earth. They've managed to escape their ship just before it explodes. The Robocops that were after them crash as well. Because it looks like they're dealing and everybody's dealing with this spontaneous machine breakdown. Even Steel Grip is affected. No. Oh my steel god. Grip. Seems like that's some kind of corrosive atmosphere situation. Yeah. Definitely. They're trapped here on Earth, and that's tough because suddenly, like, the stewardess lady from the ship or something (laughs) is attacked by this giant centaur monster. What the fuck is going on? He's real big. I love that. And he just, like, straight up, I I thought he ripped into her or something, but I guess she's fine. 
it seems like he just grabs her hair and like picks her up by it or something. Yeah. The, uh, the whole team goes to shoot the beast. One of the red shirts dies when their gun explodes. <laughs> and they finish the beast off with a hammer Fuck. throw, store st- Thor style, real good. It's um, awesome. This guy looks yeah. like Zangief with giant earrings and just like fucking tenderizes his face. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, so it looks like... All their guns are disintegrating, although regular weaponry technology seems to work. Um, there's there's no tech on Earth besides the voice box of Henry Moon, I guess, which doesn't seem to be affected. Yeah, I mean, well, you want your your Jaguar to keep talking. Story yeah, stuff, man. Don't think about I mean, it definitely. too much. Definitely. No, no, Looper I... physics. 100% I agree. Like, it'd be real rough if he just turned back into, like, a real smart <laughs> panther that couldn't communicate. Like, that'd be a bummer. So... Whatever. We just have a fucking issue of Animorphs on our hands, you know? Totally. But so, uh, yeah, so they've got the, their melee combat weapons. They're on Earth. There's at least one big monster on here. Um, I mean, more it set us up with a fucking centaur. I'm just, I'm hoping that... <laughs> And there was, there's definitely <laughs> been talk close. about Earth having been taken over by satanic forces, you know, and oh it's happened God. only recently. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. Who knows? Anyhow, the end of Mean Team. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. No, um, it says Mean Team will, will return in spring, but that's not true. It will actually be back in June of 1987. Oh, my God. So, but and I think the that's setup is of, so awesome. Yeah, I think that's part of why it's so poorly remembered is just this huge gap in between times of it running. And, you know, honestly, by June of 87, 2000 AD is is is, is pretty different from even where it is now, you know. What? So this thing coming back is kind of rough. <laughs> I mean, just in terms of like the tone of this of the comic, I guess. Like, sure. I, you know, All right. just for for outside <laughs> readers by 1987, like we'll have like Zenith. We'll be in the middle of the, of uh, of the of the bitch storyline and strong team dog. It's gonna be all kinds of stuff. Wait, like, did you say bitch? You'll see. I can't. I can't what tell you too f- much here, man. Um, <laughs> what is going on in our comic book? It involves Ronald Reagan. That's all I can say. But uh, oh, good, <laughs> great. But I'm so I, fucking excited for trickle down comonomics. You should be. I'm not even lying here. It's real awesome. Um, okay. It's real good. Like, but that, but so that's it for Mean Team for now. For a while, I'd say. And you know, it's funny because I've definitely read, like, um, you know, I like a um, there's this one site that has a bunch of like reviews of different 2000 AD thrills and stuff, and it sort of mm. lists. Um, mean, it sort of says Mean Team is a real bad one, and I think that, I don't know if I agree I with that. If just yeah, just based on this first chapter, which seems real, like, fun and, like, you know, ma- uh, ballad and early action and guys looking weird and stuff like that. Maybe it's just people not, not liking sports comics or something, but they I sort mean, of dispense with the sports parts brain. pretty early, too. A man's yeah. brain was put into a Jaguar. What What could you possibly want more than that? <laughs> like, against his will. Also, by the way, he's a psychic, so now he's a psychic Jaguar. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, no... No disagreement from me. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> it's it's like the coolest fucking thing. Yeah. Oh, I love no, it. No, man. They put that guy, yeah, they put that guy's brain in a panther body, man. Like whatever. <laughs> Don't tell Feels me good. it's bad. Yeah. No, but I'm I'm interested to see where we'll what we'll think of it 
when it comes back in 87. You know, well, I mean, just, I'll have forgotten it. seems it. so long from now, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll have forgotten it, and then you'll you'll say, it's the one with the with the guy who's inside that giant cat. And I'll be like, oh, shit, Tiger Commander? And you'll be like, no, the other one. Yeah, close, because it's also Bella and Ellie, right? But... <laughs> yeah, I know, man. He's got a thing for giant, awesome cats. I mean, who doesn't, you know? Um, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, but speaking of things that might be less awesome, let's go to non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Jesus, we're already there. I mean, it's just because it's the first three, you know. I mean, honestly, Dread's real gigantic this month. (laughs) (laughs) Also, sorry I'm talking quiet for everybody. I'm just, you know, I don't want to, my, 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 um, I'm I'm in a new spot recording. I don't want to bother people around me too much if I can help it. Anyhow. (laughs) Let's get started with uh, Prog 447. Adventure Gaming gets thrill-powered as we are slain. Oh, oh yeah, boy. Yeah, Glenn Fabry draws a slain nest and some dead diluvians and treasure on the front cover. It's pretty awesome. There's just a quarter-sized nerve center this week as we get some final ads for this year's annuals. Mm-hmm. And then this prog ends with another history of justice this time. Dread is the law in the punk rule storyline. Yeah, I forgot all about this. Dude with this was fucking the, teeth. Yeah, that was the one where it was it was right after like Judge Cal, right? So it was a, after this sort of long series of these mega epic storylines that was just dread rolling through, kicking people's asses, and he like uh these punks had taken over part of Mega City One and he rolled in with like a garbage truck and just like took oh. them all down and like uh you know, strapped him, you know chained them all up in the back of or not 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 a garbage truck but like you know like a, a dumpster truck or something i just put them all in there and then just kicked them all out of the city it was pretty awesome <laughs> oh awesome i really yeah. i cannot recall that whatsoever i mean it was only one prog but it's just sort of a fun one it was just sort of dread sort of sure. being back on the street after all these big high yeah, level stories of, after all that shit. you know yeah yeah of the cursed earth and then judge cal you know mm. uh so Prague 448, Slay! Slane's ready for his close-up in this iconic Glenn Fabry cover. Um, it's, you know, just the big full face of Slane. He's got one black eye. He's real angry. Yeah, real gross-looking, wrinkly man. Yeah, this is the cover of, like, the Time Killer uh, Slane collection. It shows up a lot. I really like how, because it's so close-up, you see, like, his hair coming through parts of the 2080 logo and <laughs> it's stuff. Pretty it's pretty good. Uh, in the nerve center, Tharg gets latecomers up to speed on the Tomb of Terror and hypes us up for more dice rolling. And then this prog ends with an excellent history of justice. Oh, Judge yes. Fish! I, like, it took me a moment. And then I was like, oh yeah, Judge Fish was uh, Cal's, Cal's super judge buddy. Yeah, Cal's a second in command. You know, just sort of a, mm-hmm. a reference to like Caligula making his horse a consul of Rome one time, you know? Mm. I remember when that story came out. It was right when during like a uh, during like Trump's inauguration. Got a lot of oh got a God. lot of people saying who Judge Fish was in terms of the administration <laughs> and stuff like that. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> Praga four forty nine. We got six hours to save the Earth. Oh, but then some oh, monster man. comes through and breaks the slain clock. No, spooky. <laughs> In the nerve center, the warped Beetlejuicean teases the upcoming DR and Quinch Christmas cover, and the return of Halo Jones is just in a couple weeks. There's, oh, fuck yeah, man. 
Yeah, there's a letter asking how many books of Halo Jones and Nemesis the Warlock there will be. The answer is three in about ten. Um, a reader <laughs> is pissed about Ace Garp dying. There's requests for Halo Jones collections and more info about Seth the Blitzspear. And for that one, I'd say check out the 1983-2080 annual, buddy. It's real good. Oh, hell yeah. That was a good picture. That was a good story, as, as I recall. Mm. Um Towards the uh, towards the end of the prog, there's a reprise of the slain rules, and we're going to start getting this in every prog, basically, where it just sort of says how to play the game and stuff like that. Um, oh, I, got I think that. this is something that sort of kept them from doing this in the future, I think. Yeah, just people not knowing how to do it when they Yeah, in. just that, yeah, that you have to sort of keep dealing with late comers and people haven't read the previous stories and all that stuff. Um yeah, and um, so this is sort of a whole thing. And then there's a pinup of Dredd's Gorilla War, for another history of justice, which is from the dark days of Judge Cal. And this one is by, by Mike McMahon. Uh, in Prog 450, Merry Christmas from DR and Grinch. Yes! And, awesome. and from Space Spinner 2000, buddy, because this one's coming out on Christmas hey. Eve, so whatever. <gasps> really? Uh, Merry yeah. Christmas. Exactly. The boys are sticking up are sticking up kids as everyone comes in for holiday cheer. We see the rest of the cast having holiday revelries. I think we can all agree that a uh, crazy Chrissy Santa outfit is pretty excellent. Oh um, my god, she's fucking great. And then like uh Polger is like carving a, a still living turkey with a chainsaw <laughs> and stuff. It's real good. Great work by Alan Davis. Just a lot of little details making this thing a whole lot of fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's actually a um uh, mind the oranges, Marlin video cassette <laughs> at the very awesome. bottom right. <laughs> there's all um, so in the nerve center. There's a picture of uh, Judge Tharg who talks up the uh, the prog cover, just saying that's real cool. Got to agree. And then mm-hmm. he also mentions the giant size Judge Dredd story. This issue. There's also a te- yeah, totally. And there's a tease for the thrills starting next prog. That Halo Jones, I feel like I'm hyping it up a lot, and there's a lot to get hype about. <laughs> there's I'm so fucking excited, man. Yeah, a picture of Judge Madonna, the material judge, questions about whether <laughs> Christmas Day is peaceful in Mega City One. There's a Malaysian Quiltro Thargo, and complaints about kids getting inky hands from reading a whole bunch of comics, which is a real problem with these uh with these two thousand ADs. Mm. The Prague ends, of course, with another slain recap and a reminder again that next time it's Ace Trucking and Halo Jones time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I've read ahead a little bit and I love how they bring uh, Ace Garp back. It's really funny. Really? Okay. Yeah, you'll I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. You'll see. It's good. Um, and hey, speaking of things that are pretty good, buddy, but also that occasionally get kind of ugly, it's <laughs> through four <laughs> Judge Dredd. <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> Doing my best, buddy. That's great, man. Um, so, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art robot Cliff Robinson and Ron Smith and Steve Dillon. Letting her, uh, letting robot Tom Frame. Sorry, art robot Cliff Robinson, Ron Smith, and Steve Dillon. So, hmm. oh, it's the ug- ugly bug ball, buddy. <laughs> oh man, people just getting down, looking gross. Uh, Always shot at. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> I guess it um, is Mega City One. There's just liable to be a fucking gunfight. Looks like a definitely. pretty good party though. There's so many people. Totally, yeah. It's a Cliff Robinson horning in on Ron Smith de- Smith's deal here, drawing all these u- these uggos. Hmm. Uh, a whole bunch of the city's uglies are heading for this massive ball, while the judges are searching for an escaped con, Howie Ransom, who's on the loose. Dread just manages to avoid this massive explosion that Ransom sets. 
after do, doing a decoy kind of thing, like, hey, mister, like, I saw something weird. Like, who said, who told you to tell me that? It's a bomb. <laughs> they gave a child a bomb. Totally. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, Ransom escapes on a motorcycle and dreads in pursuit as we cut back to the ball where we meet uh, Glendon Grot, the new face of ugly. He's actually I mean, naturally super ugly and everybody loves uh, him for it. He's and he does not look great. He needs to not, see somebody about whatever like this some, is. Some some eye bugging going on or something. Oh, um, it's I I call it Picasso face. Yeah. Oh, that that that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Ransom crashes his bike into the crowd and then heads into the ball where he's quickly terrified by the ugly faces and they go straight <laughs> like a Twilight Zone or like freaks on him like oh you're the ugly one bro yeah get the fuck <laughs> out of here it's our party. Yeah, Dredd comes after him. He drops a chandelier on Ransom's head. Oh, that was the best part. <laughs> it's real good. Just banging it. Bang! Ah, chandelier! <laughs> the perp takes a hostage and Dredd doesn't seem to mind. He's like, she's so ugly, she'll be happy to die. Oh my god, it's really <laughs> it's, horrible to say. Yeah, and instead he swings on the ears of a, of a, of a big-eared, like, ceiling-bound ugly guy <laughs> and smashes into Ransom. And he knocks him into a table full of auto sump ugly products. Oh, it's a year's supply. Oh, God, I guess I'm just going to get real gross. And he does. Yeah, real fast. He's just holding on his face like, I'm melting. <laughs> He's taken to jail. He's super duper gross looking. But I guess they'll schedule him for a face change. so He doesn't have to be like that forever. And uh, yeah, and there you go. All's well that ends well. And I like there's a little Judge Hershey cameo in here, which is pretty yeah. awesome. I was gonna say that's got to be her, right? Because no helmet and bobbed cut. Yeah, it's definitely. If not, then it's another judge that's just doing a Judge Hershey imitation or something. I don't know. We're gonna see a lot more of Hershey in the coming months, so I'm pretty excited to see it it start here for sure. Uh, Next up, Ron Smith is on art. It's a Monday, and the cadets of the Academy of Law are going on a field trip to the Block Wars. Oh my God! (laughs) Just that's such a horrible fucking thing. Yeah, they're led by Judge Tudor Schwartz, who's a lady judge instructor, and she she's got like these like braids or not bra- like she's got like two things of hair in front with like giant skull bands on them. It's pretty awesome I, hair bands. Well, and then like part of her face is uh, is uh, Kano'd from Mortal Kombat, and then she's got a robo arm. Well, yeah, and she's wearing like the, ju- the like the helmet and stuff like that. Um, God. So, but yeah, but all the all the all the instructors at the Academy of, of Law have some kind of uh, injury, like d- debilit, like disabling uh, injury or something. Yeah, that's why they end up being teaching, you know, because they can't. Right, be it's a whole Starship Troopers thing, right? Like all yeah, of the definitely. previous generation is just fucked. Yeah, they're all sent back to teach and be like, oh, I got this arm fighting for your service. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, so they're heading to the block wars at the friendship scheme, which is where the uh, the four blocks, the uh, Groucho, Chico, Harpo, and Karl Mar- Marx blocks meet. <laughs> and now they're like all fighting really against each other. Bad idea. I really love. So you know, there, yeah, there's a there's a big fight. Dreads in command. I really love how everybody makes jokes about the Marx Brothers being comedians. Like, oh, laugh this off, buddy. But, like, <laughs> one of the Marxes is Karl Marx. You know, he's just one of the Marx Brothers now. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, whatever. <laughs> All right. Also, it's, calls, it's just yeah. uh, puns about jokes while physical violence. <laughs> just, like, cracking him with a day stick. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't if you don't find little bits of humor in your life, Fox, you're going to go crazy. I think everybody agrees with that. That's pretty fair. <laughs> Dread calls for riot foam as Schwartz quizzes the kids about the causes of block war. And, you know, we've heard all this stuff before. There's a bunch of different reasons. It's mostly because Mega City 1 is horrible. Um, you know, normally in the early stages, they drop Trent gas, but because of open the open conflict here, it's too late. So the the plaza fills with riot foam, and it's time to start taking the fight to the upper levels of all the different blocks. Dread commandeers the pod. The cadets are in, but he's too busy to take questions from the kids, which is pretty funny, too. Oh, like, God. I love like, how the, the teacher also just, while they're flying up, someone was trying to take a shot, so she just shoots someone, you know? They, the kids <laughs> all have guns. She's like, hey, like just fire at will, guys. If you see one, if you see something, shoot something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They uh they burst in to take down the hardest fighters, stun gas grenades flying everywhere. In twenty minutes, the conflict is under control, and Dread puts the uh puts the all the blocks under solitary confinement because the Dread because the judge is going to uh, sweep through and root out troublemakers and stuff whoever caused this uh, block war and stuff. God, I mean, someone's <laughs> getting sixty years minimum for fucking. That's right. The, the, yeah, like, the riot doors. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, as the uh, as the uh, cadets fly home, one of them's like, "Hey, why don't we like do things to make things better for the citizens of Mega City One? So they it the whole place isn't just a a, a seething powder keg ready to go off in massive riots <laughs> at any given time." And Schwartz is just like, "What are you, a liberal?" <laughs> like, be pretty... quiet, Conrad. <laughs> Sit down. Exactly. Exactly. And then, a, and then a final thing of some judge being like, oh, I hate when these kids come in and like mess around while we're doing stuff. And Dred's like, not me. Like the children are our future. And we got to teach them <laughs> to enforce the law and keep these keep these citizens under control, buddy. I just I love <laughs> at least when those cadets hit the streets, they'll know exactly whose heads to break. That's and about right. 50 different ways of doing it. Yeah. It's hard times. <laughs> My out there. book education is wonderful. Just it's funny. Great. I couldn't. I couldn't quite tell. I don't. I like. I don't know if this is ever called back on. It'd be really funny if someday there, or if there was a story about one of the cadets in this pod eventually growing up and being a judge in Mega City One. You know, it's it's, it's been thirty years, so they'd probably actually be a senior judge by this point, right? That's so. pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. Next up, uh, night falls on Mega City One, and the lurker oh is God, about. He sneaks around looking for a score. In this case, he sees a dude getting beaten up in an alleyway, his handcuffed briefcase cut off and taken. Oh, my God. And he just comes through and starts trying to, I guess, like, rifle through his crap. I mean, this feels like this feels very Mega City 1 here where you've had one, like, just like how Dread arrests the victims in Mega City 1. If you have one crime done to you, you actually have like four or five different crimes done to you, you know? <laughs> There's a God. really great there's a really great story in the Judge Dread Annual this year about a guy that gets um like a uh, uh, cadet judge on his uh, on his preview run like um, handcuffs a guy to a wall and the guy that's handcuffed just gets destroyed by the <laughs> citizens that they kind of worm by they just see him handcuffed there they like steal his shoes they steal his dentures they take all of his clothes and eventually Jesus. gets taken he gets taken away by organ leggers for the rest of his parts you know it's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my god! But this is sort of feels like that as that as this lurker comes in and steals the dude's wallet after he's been beaten to death and had his had his uh, his briefcase taken. With his dying breath, the man says to tell the judges that his case had ten million. Ugh. 
Yeah. And then he dies. <laughs> so I guess the most logical conclusion is to say 10 million credits. 10 million credits sure is a lot. And now the lurker is on the hunt. Oh my God. Also on the hunt, Judge Dredd finding the body of the dead courier as the lurkers sneak up on the hoods with the case. They're having trouble opening it when Dredd sort of catches up with them and takes them all down, gets them on the run. So as they escape. Yeah, as they escape, the lurker comes in, opens up the case with his laser scalpel thing. Oh. Um, as Dredd takes down the perps, the lurker opens up the case as Dredd gets the report that the courier was carrying radioactive isotopes giving off 10 million reds. Oh, what the fuck, man? Yeah. I mean, he just becomes uh, the the visible man at this point. Yeah, he becomes, he, he opens it up, he gets so irradiated that, yeah, that, that you can see his skeleton and stuff, and he's dead. It's just you know i feel like actually I, let me look at the time but if i didn't know better i'd think that a grant or wagner had just seen repo man and decided to do a just dread story about it oh yeah it's 1984 they definitely could have because this is the same thing That's as repo fair. man with like the neutron bomb in the trunk of the car mm-hmm. and you open it up and you just sort of you know you see a glowing light and then you're just sort of shoes you know same <laughs> kind of deal <laughs> But as the uh, as the judges close the case while wearing red lead suits, you know, it's hard up there for a scavenger in Mecca City One. <laughs> Dumb creep. Totally. Our final our final dread story. Steve Dillon takes over on art, and this is one of the longer 2000 AD stories just in general. It's 14 pages mm-hmm. long. You know, it's it's hard to say it's like it sort of pales in comparison to later years when there'll be like full prog stories or something like there's been a slain mm. one of those. And I, I, I think a few dread ones as well. Oh, wow. But 14 at this point is still very long in terms of like, you know, just sort of put something oh, yeah. together for me for, for, for 2000 AD. And you know, it's normally cool. seen anything this size before. No, nah. right? no, this is a special this was. Like a special thing for for Christmas or whatever, because it's Christmas morning, twenty one oh seven in Mega City One. The, All right. Yeah, there's food convoys coming out to mutants. Santas and hover sleighs from various department stores out flying around delivering gifts. Even Conrad Khan is rehearsing for the uh, play, <sighs> The Nativity and the Half. <laughs> I just. It's weird. Just yeah, so let's talk great. about it when, yeah. when we get to the actual play for it. Um. In the Chuck Dickens blocks, of course, Charles Dickens needs no uh, introduction. The uh, the citizen Ed Ed Flymo isn't in the Christmas spirit. He's grabbing his gun and five kilos of explosives. He'll give him Christmas. This will definitely be important later as we learn his motives. Definitely. Uh, in the Joshua Jebs block, and that appears to be a uh, surveyor general of convict prisons in England in the 19th century. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, but a couple is apparently fostering a convict for Christmas. Buddy, it's Mean Machine Angel. And he's uh, he's being pretty nice. He doesn't want to balk. He just wants to no. chill out, probably eat some yeah. Christmas food. He's been he's been completely lobotomized, like the whole front front part of his brain destroyed. He's incapable of aggression, not even if he's turned up to four. And the the prison guard shows this by turning me up to four and then whacking him upside the head with like a newspaper. It's like not good. <laughs> Like, no, leave me alone. I'm okay. <laughs> I just want to be left over here to have a nice life for the rest of my life. Exactly. Um, 
Meanwhile, the the nativity and a half play is going on. Oh my god! And it's like the nativity story, but everybody's got like, <laughs> hey, like a crazy New York accent. Uh, I'm gonna eat a spaghetti. Hey, I'm eating my spaghetti, Maria. Get out of here. Hey, I like the gold, but I don't like the smelly stuff like the myrrh. <laughs> and you know. Jesus. I don't know what's going on with this. Why that makes it nativity and a half? I'm very happy for someone to tell me what's going on with it. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I would love some insight because it just seemed like, hey, Italians, right? It really, it really seems like that's what it is. I guess. Um, <laughs> anyhow, what's going on here? Um, and yeah, so I say what's going on here, and Ed Flymo agrees because he stands up and starts <laughs> shooting up the place. Conrad Khan gets shot. No. That's the guy with no. my name. <laughs> uh, Flymo did. Yeah, I mean, not as many as you, you know, not, or I don't know. Like, I only really know one Conrad, and that's me. But um, <laughs> there's been a couple, and I appreciate it. I feel like they're shouting me out from the past. Um, but See. so. Flymo demands a judge, and Dread is on the Western Wall watching the mutants and other folks, including known criminals, arrive at the food convoy. Oh when he gets God. the call about the hostage situation, he's on his way. Um, as he heads out, the news coverage on TV that mentions him arriving causes a tingle in what's left of Mean Machine's brain. Hmm, not good, but he seems to be okay. Yeah. With a bomb strapped to his chest, they can't just shoot Flymo, so Dread goes to negotiate. Meanwhile, Mean gets a Christmas gift, and it's a judge in a box, which is just like a jack-in-the-box. But it's a judge that comes out and whaps you upside the head and says one of nine law-related phrases. This (laughs) just really seems horrible. You're under arrest. Strip search. Spread them. Stuff like that. (laughs) Jesus. It's ridiculous. Um... But because of that, it freaks me out, and his hatred of dread deep in his brain is enough to rekindle his meanness, and he goes on a budding spree. Dude, he boxed this chick across the table. <laughs> yeah, he boxes his uh, the lady who's fostering and her husband. It's real rough. Oh, um, God. And then he, he just boxed, runs he out. Boxed he boxed everybody runs out. outside of yeah. an apartment. He boxes Santa. He runs out on the street, boxing everybody demanding to know where dread is and someone says oh i just saw him on tv he's at the theater so he finally boxes santa yeah and steals his sleigh to head out there <laughs> it's fucking great it's awesome dread's talking to the criminal but he doesn't make deals so you know yeah, whatever so, just give yourself I mean, up you're kind of screwed just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a mean machine jumps from the sleigh at dread oh, he's got a real so good awesome. christmas present for him a face full of four <laughs> <laughs> he he hits Dread, and Dread's shoulder is broken, which is crazy. I love um, this, like, dive bock. Totally. Yeah, total dive bock. And then there's a real good thing. I like this. This happens sometimes in in, uh, in, in Dread, where two criminals have have, uh, <laughs> have plans at the same time, and they get angry <laughs> at each other. So, like, Flymo yells at Mean for messing up his hostage situation. And Mean, you know, is like, oh, I messed up. Yeah, that's so. I messed up your hostage situation. Just butts him and causes <laughs> His explosive to explode. <laughs> so we sort of like, so that's it, I guess. Uh, Dreads in a cast, means going back to prison, and what's left of Flymo is being scraped off the walls to go to Recyc, I guess. <laughs> it's a it's a happy Christmas in Mega City 1. They even let it snow for 10 seconds to be nice and festive. <laughs> um, and then so finally... Weird. 
Yeah, then finally those feasting mutants outside the wall, they've identified a bunch of like criminals in the group and Tread <laughs> and the rest of the judges on the wall just shoot them down from a distance. Just and to then, open fire on this group of feasting people. Enjoying the day, yeah. You know, that's, that's, how, that's how the Grinch that stole Christmas actually ended, Fox. I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> just uh, a bunch of who's dancing around the Christmas tree and the Grinch with a sniper rifle. You heard it here first. <laughs> my God, um, oh my God. <laughs> Anyhow, Dredd has the food brought back in and he's like, oh, this worked pretty well. We'll try the Southern Wall tomorrow. Anyhow. <laughs> oh my God. A, a Merry Christmas from Judge Dredd and again, Space Spinner 2000 to all our listeners and readers. Woo! Hooray! We yeah. love you. Yeah, I got the open towards Christmas. people. Totally. <laughs> and yeah, let's anyhow uh and speaking of um you know i don't know exciting things in the past maybe <laughs> or yeah sure people falling in love for the first time it's oh thrill five strontium dog <laughs> it is true love i mean yeah. true love can only as as they say in the metal gear it blooms on the battlefield <laughs> strontium dog <laughs> <laughs> Scripted by Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Carlos Escara. Letting robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. So, oh man, Johnny Alpha's headed to the past to catch Max Bubba's gang. He gets a crash course in Old Norse, a blaster, and some time grenades that, when used, will warp various the uh, the people who's it's, who it's used on into prison cells here in the in the future or the present. Whatever, yeah. it's twenty one seventy. That works out. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I like to admit, yeah, they're they're transporting through time and space to go to a specific spot. I think it's pretty neat. Um, and so, I mean, I, wouldn't that just be that as soon as, like, as he leaves, they just end up showing up? I mean, that's yeah, what I you guess, would hope to have happen. I'd imagine so that, like, you know, the, the passage of time, yeah, it'd be a different kind of passage of time that they just, yeah. But, I mean... We, we don't really flash back to the to 2170 that much while Johnny's in in motion. Sure. You know what I mean? Or it, it, yeah, it doesn't course. seem like yet, you know? I'm just um, saying they probably wouldn't have set the time grenades to have sent them to a time that was like, you know, 10 minutes after Johnny left. I guess. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, because it could be one of those things where it's like they don't want to jinx it by having it happen ahead of time. And then know that Johnny and then, <laughs> and then nothing happened. And so they know Johnny failed or something like that, you know? Ooh. I want to say also I like how Escare is drawing Johnny as like young Johnny here, you know? Like yeah, he's got, he's he looks a little greener, a little thinner. Yeah, yeah, he's like thinner and like and, 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 and like a little more fresh faced than sort of yeah. traditional Johnny, I guess. He says feller a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So he's you know it's super important to do all this stuff, whatever. Meanwhile, in 793 A.D., again to sort of an earlier publication, uh, a dragon ship <laughs> is returning home. It's Wolf. He's, he's doing well. I guess he's got a bunch of slaves. He's going to give them to his yeah. piggies, piglets. He's hanging out with his, with some ladies. And yeah. um, it, it turned out that they were just the, at the raid of Lindisfarne, which I, th- I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing right. But that's this mm-hmm. famous uh, Viking raid off the coast of England on, an island, on like a monastery off the coast of, of England that's usually seen as the start of the Viking Age. So it's cool that Wolf was part of that, I guess. But yeah, they've got riches and monks as slaves. Wolf's mom claims a couple of them. And it's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> she seems real. She seems real mean. 
I'm going to tell you yeah, that she, right now. She's real big, too. Like, I'm down. You know, whatever. All right, Wolf's mom. Oh, man. Um. I mean, she knows she's a Viking, man. She ain't going to fuck around. I love that, you know, what he he comments as she's, like, walking away. He's like, Olga Sternhammer will soon work the blubber off of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like how they're all Vikings, actually, because we go, because it's time for, like, sacrifices and feasting and stuff, and it's pretty brutal, just the way they kill these monks and, like, you know, use their, yeah, and, like, use their blood for, like, um, for rituals and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, they seem like the good guys. I mean, you know, they're, you know, it's it's, it's what they do, I guess, but I do like that they're sort of (laughs) having this actually be Wolf and what he does, like he's a full-throated Viking and stuff, and not, like, try to make him seem like more of a good guy by him, like, objecting to human sacrifice or whatever else, you know? I mean, it's the life he knew, baby. It's true. Um, But so, yeah, Wolf briefly stops partying to check on the ship because the tide has changed. And when he does, he arrives just in time to see Johnny Alpha arrive. And that means it's time to fight. Oh, man. And it's awesome. Yeah. Die, weirdling. And Johnny Alpha and and, uh, Wolf have your standard sort of superhero pre-team-up misunderstanding fight. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's a that's a term that we use on Stranger by the Dozen for any team up where you know ninety percent of superhero team ups start with the two heroes fighting, then realizing that it was a misunderstanding and teaming up to actually fight the actual bad guy. Basically, well, you got to quickly you got to quickly establish that they're both capable of dealing yeah. with each other. Although and, the way that this sort of ends is he's about to drown a guy, and then. <laughs> John I mean, says, "Well, I actually could have beaten you the whole time." Yeah. I mean, it's also just sort of to settle, like, conversations about whether Spider-Man could actually handle Wolverine if it came down to it and stuff. Um, but, so yeah, so Johnny and Wolf just basically have a huge, like, you know, fist versus hammer uh, blowdown. Goes into the water as the other Vikings arrive. Johnny has to think fast. And like you said, yeah, he just sort of, like, blows up some rocks and is like, hey, I could have killed you at any time. But I'm just punching you. So clearly that means that I'm a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems you know Norse logic. Yeah, it seems to work. I guess um, Johnny asks if anybody's seen Max Bubba's gang, but 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 they haven't. But there have been rumors of strange things happening in the north, and that Ragnarok is coming. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it seems pretty plausible given the rest of the comic from here. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, so Ragnarok, the sun and moon devoured by wolves, the world serpent rising from the depths, the stars heaving and sinking beneath the sea. It's coming too. And Wolf isn't that bothered by it because, you know, whatever, fighting these bubbas sounds like a good adventure, and that's what he's all about. Let's get drunk. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, so they just party. Party like continues. The right thing to do. Definitely. The next morning, Johnny's like, hey, let's go. And Wolf says, uh, no, like today is for the hangover. Tomorrow is for the adventure. <laughs> I think that's really Which, awesome. <laughs> at least he's a responsible adventurer. You know what I mean? You don't go adventuring on a fucking hangover. I just love today is for dare hangover. That's really awesome. <laughs> um <laughs> The next next morning, uh, also here, John uses Alpha Vision to judge Wolf's character and finds him to be a good dude and someone that he can trust on this coming quest. The next morning, the longship Dragon Breath is about to take off when the local witch woman calls for omens. And where she does, there's a total eclipse of the sun, which is bad. (laughs) These guys, I guess no one likes that total eclipse. 
Um, but Johnny's able to rally the troops, and Wolf and a few other guys agree to come along, and we're off. Hey, sure, why not? It's awesome. Just a lot of uh, a lot of what are you chicken based peer pressure by these Vikings, which is real good, you know. <laughs> it really is. Like avoid being an after school special with Vikings, Fox, because they will take you down. <laughs> oh my god they'll just make me feel real bad about myself that's true uh johnny wolf and the rest of the viking boys are sailing off on the dragon breath they're checking out whales and the northern lights as they go they stop i want to yeah. i want to start a uh, an all viking um boy band called viking boys <laughs> totally listen I mean, why not? I'm sure there's some sort of a Swedish or Norwegian boy band that, that surely fits that thing, or at least oh maybe li- like a like a Eurovision entry or something like that. You know, <laughs> dude, I'm going <laughs> on the talent scouting mission now. Finally, yes, yeah, so they stop at a nearby town to get some info, but before they arrive, the village is under attack by crazy troll dudes. Like Whoa. actually, goblins or trolls or yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Stabbing ladies in the back of their head. It's like, yeah, great. No good. They arrive to find the whole town dead and the Vikings, including a hack and the berserker whose wife came from this village. um, They all swear revenge. And it's funny because there was some good natured ribbing about hack wife being from here. And he's like, oh, I should have brought her so I could give her back. But then they show up and they're all dead. And he's like, not like this, not like this. (laughs) It was pretty. It was pretty impressive. He's like, I didn't like you guys a whole lot, but I mean, fuck, not by yeah, goblins. Be, yeah, you don't get to deserve to be murdered by goblins, man. Um, the boys follow the tracks, but soon find themselves under attack from the goblins. Johnny thinks this might be from the time distortions, but can't figure it out now because Wolf is under attack. Oh no! God, God, how will they deal with all of these goblins? Probably by maliciously killing them. Finally, next time, Timberwolf. Hey, oh, sorry, pretty good, Timberwolf. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like in this, this, this past action, it's a lot of fun. And you know, just sort of, I last episode I called this kind of Johnny and Johnny and Wolf's meat cute, and I really stand by that. Like, there's a lot of like, <laughs> of like fighting bad guys while getting to know you plays in a montage or something like that. Oh you know? my god, that would but be I great. Just, and then a lot of like wolf like smashing guys with a hammer and johnny like shooting guys and stuff (laughs) it's so fucking great but i really like this and it's just a fun thing and it's all it's just a real distraction from the fact that in the present um in the actual present wolf's dying of gunshot wounds and (laughs) they're staked down to the ground by the max bubba gang you know god damn it (laughs) Don't remind me of this. Sorry, buddy. It's a hey, got a hangover the whole situation, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to live in and the past where there's wolf forever. Me too, buddy. Uh, more than you know. But uh, speaking what? of whole of whole situations, Fox. Oh my God! Thrill six, Rogue Trooper, <sighs> Cheater Aliens. I guess. Mm, yeah, they are cheaters. Script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Jose Ortiz, letting robot Tony Jacob. Yeah, so these teleporting attacker alien guys are going after the genies. Azure, the GI dog, grabs rogue stuff, slots in the chips, and starts shooting and, and goes against them. But they've got the genies as hostages and teleport away and then shoot up the lab. They yep. try to get it's the antigen. Real horrible. 
Yeah. They try to get the antigen, but Azure shoots them and takes it for herself. She gets Fuck. shot a couple times in the process. She stumbles to a nearby air airlock and hits the button, which spaces the antigen, the aliens, and herself. The yeah, but remains it, at are... least it keeps the chips alive. Yeah, she's, she's saved the chips and the antigen that will someday return them to normal, but she herself dies in the vacuum of space. Can Leave she that. not be chipped? You have to chip. You have to chip a GI in in sixty seconds after they die, or they oh, just regularly that's right. die. Fuck. So they didn't meet the time frame, you know. Um, the remains are picked up. Helms, of course, devastated because his fiance's died. Um, it's real tough. What can they do? Everyone's dead. But wait, except for War Marshal Lamau, who's still barely alive despite having burst into flame. <laughs> what the fuck! It's time to make these aliens pay, fucks. <laughs> so. Dude. Star Star Marshal Lamal clings to life to get revenge. Rogue's more interested, of course, in getting the genies back so his buddies can be saved. Meanwhile, some remaining scientists do a, uh, try to do an autopsy on the aliens. But before they can even explain what's going on, more aliens warp in, blast the, do- Once the doctors. Again. Yeah, and then escape with all the alien corpses and, st- and, and stuff. Uh, though, in this fighting, Rogue does get a chance to admire the cash-in troopers' fighting, uh, fighting ability. So, which it's a you know it's a whole thing here. It's weird. Lamal yeah. uh, is still holding on to life. He's managed to track the aliens back to a planet, New Earth, man, because they're probably going to have to escape <laughs> through the black hole. But there's a black hole storm that won't clear for a couple weeks, so this could be time to catch up with them on, on New Earth and take them out there. Uh, Lamal and the Nort leader write notes giving Rogue control over the military forces there. The Kashan leader is assigned to Rogue as well. They're headed back to New Earth for revenge. <laughs> oh my god, we're going back to that place that we spent forever on. Yeah, a couple years. Rogue, the chips, yeah. and the Kashan put down on New Earth near New Araby as the uh, as that mysterious screen-watching aliens guys plot against them. <laughs> I, I call the, this episode everything goes to shit it's true rogue <laughs> and the crew also have to spread the word just that there is a peace treaty that was signed and stuff because naturally both sides are super <laughs> scared about treachery because treachery is the name of the game on new earth yeah kind um, of rogue managed to get both of the, com- the commanders on both sides of the conflict to, um and in this section of new Araby to come talk to each other Peace breaks out at least, um, at least until the aliens once more appear. They wipe out the various New Earth generals, and it's time for even heavier fighting. Whoa! God, and now both sides are fighting again, and fighting Rogue Trooper and his like. Yeah, Rogue people. and his Cashian buddy have to kill each have to kill their own guys to show that they're sort of loyal to each other. Um, and the war is back on, and Rogue Trooper is back in business. Let's fight. <laughs> I mean, he's blowing up his own people now, right? It's doing something, yeah. That and that's the end of Rogue Trooper. Uh, what really? Well, oh I yeah, mean, no, next year. For yeah, Rogue Trooper will be back in Prague four ninety five in uh, November of nineteen eighty six, and mm. it'll have a, a new writer, uh, Simon Geller. That first story, or that first section is going to have Simon Geller and uh, Steve McManus on it, but uh, Simon Geller is going to be on it full time after that. And then, sadly, this is Jerry Finley Day's final work in 2000 AD. What? Yeah, he'll be back, actually, to do a Rogue Trooper story in 2010 in a special edition. But otherwise, yeah, that's it. Um, Jesus. So that's sort of a bummer for me just because, you know, 
we've been hard on him for Rogue Trooper, I think, just because Rogue's been oh, sort of I mean. been sort of the weakest story in this sort of golden age of 2008. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's been going bad. through. But it's all been very serviceable. It's just sort of, you know, you can it sort of suffers from all these other stories having these new inventive ways of storytelling and the Rogue Troopers, this sort of standard comic serial that Jerry Finley Day is so good at, but that can get kind of samey when you read them all at once, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because I think that's really his strength. And other people have said this too, that, that Jerry Finley Day is really great at just, at, tell, at, at having a, sing, a nice single serving, like four page story that has some good action, you know, that, that sort of presents a conflict and resolves it and maybe moves a, the larger story ahead just a little bit. And then just keeping that going for a whole, for a long time. But eventually, but I think what, what, what makes him different than like Tom Tully is that with, Finley Day, I think you do see that there is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. And so you sort of have a destination that you're working towards instead of just sort of spinning wheels constantly, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm really sad to see him go. Um, he's responsible for some of our favorite thrills so far. Like, you know, he wrote a lot of Invasion, Mach 1 mm-hmm. and Mach 0, Harry 20 on the High Rock, Ant Wars, oh. Fiends of the Feet. Fiends of the Eastern Front, all kinds oh, of stuff. Fiends of the Eastern Front, so good. Yeah, and then I, I know I've always felt kind of a connection to Jerry Finley Day just because we're both really terrible at spelling. <laughs> like, <laughs> apparently a, a lot of the Beetlejuice and words that, that Tharg uses were actually ridiculous Jer- Jerry Finley Day misspellings that the people just started ma- making fun of him with, you know? Jesus. And then, <laughs> but then also I feel like Finley, you know, he he's sort of the older, like, odd man out among some of the cool kids in the early days of 2000 AD, I think. Like, sure. I really got a sense in reading the Thrill Power Overload book where they're talking about the early days, you know, the start of 2000 AD, that there was this sort of, you know, there was this group of cool kids that was, you know, like Wagner and Grant and, uh, and, and Pat Mills and stuff. And then, like, Finley Day was sort of this older guy that could still work and stuff, but, you know, everybody kind of made fun of him or sort of, you know, looked down on him or something like that. He seems like, or he, he just seems sort of not not part of the clique is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I might just be bringing my own stuff to that, but that's the sense that I get. Um, but yeah. Mythos. Yeah, I'm super bummed to see him go, though, man. He's just a master of this compressed storytelling of English comics. And, you know, yeah, wrote some of my favorite stories in the first eight years of 2000 AD. So, you know, I pour one out, you know, I, I, I pour my, I, I tip my 40 in your memory, Jerry Finley Day. <laughs> <laughs> my malt beverage. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. This one, like even more than some of the big artists and stuff, this one uh, hits me harder than, than anything, than, than the others, I guess. I don't know. That's fair. But man. yeah. And so with that, buddy. Oh my God, we're done Oof. with thrills for December 1985 and 1985 in general. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we've done this whole year. It's crazy. So with that though, that means that we've got one big question, which is what were your top and bottom thrills for this month? Oh boy, um, I'll be honest. Like the the top spot, it's it's super difficult because I I fucking loved. Strontium Dog, um, mm-hmm. a lot, uh, but you know I'm probably I, I have to really give it to Slain just for doing something really novel 
alongside yeah. its awesome like comicry you know <laughs> like i really i did enjoy kind of like reading through and figuring out where i was i again took out a piece of paper and wrote some shit down which is nice like there's a lot of things that don't get me to do that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that really want me to um <laughs> and uh, to have like a you know a comic book from the year i was born get me to do that i find that pretty impressive and then, you know just overall really fun i like barbarians i like laser swords i like just weird blood crazy dudes i like D. it's like it's everything that i really like um nice. kind of wrapped up into one and then it throws itself into like the whole uh you know um, H.P. Lovecraft camp. And I'm like, all right, for sure, I'm, I'm down. And so, and then I got to do some pen and paper role playing, which I don't get to do a lot. Um, <laughs> as for my bottom, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I I don't hate this Rogue Trooper setup. Um, uh, you know, given like I I'm I generally treat it as my whipping boy, but like <laughs> Judge Shred, I could have taken or leaving uh, left it this month like it mm. i did i did uh, really enjoy seeing you know mean machine again and it was fucking hilarious and funny but the rest of it was just kind of like eh, like it was fine maybe mm-hmm. maybe the the lurker guy that was all right but then you know it just sort of ends with him getting vaporized <laughs> i don't know i yeah. figured it like you kind of know that the the fucking briefcase isn't a million creds so it's just kind of waiting for that future shock payoff Right, um, right, it's right. Not that thing. So I mean, that's 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 where I'm at. So, hey, Conrad, what's your tap and bottom thrills? Oh man, um, I think so. Yeah, I, uh, let let me talk through it. Um, sure. <laughs> like, I feel like I don't want to say strontium dog just yet because we're still in the very you know this story is still warming up. You know, we're still sort of mm-hmm. in the early stages of it. Like especially just sort of you know, establishing characters and all that stuff. So I don't know if I want to say that one just yet. Um, I think I'm going to... And I don't want to say Rogue Trooper just because, again, I'm sort of like accepting it because it's the last one. And I do like this end. And it feels like this could be an interesting sort of new way to tell this story. Um, oh, sure. It's not really how they're going to do it eventually. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But um, I, I I think it's an interesting thing and just a fun end of Rogue Trooper for the purposes of uh, of especially Jerry Finley Day's writing. So I'm not I, I, so that's good. But I think for me the top has got to be slain for this mo- oh, for the, yeah. for this time. I mean I think like early on some other website was doing like people asking for people's top thrills and stuff, and I said that that this story Tomb of Terror is my top. Um, 2080 thrill and i really like really? It. I, I i stand by that because i just really love um you know this sort of dungeon crawling through and then the uh i think the uh dice rolling and writing stuff down like the pen and paper elements of it are really inventive and something that i really haven't seen yeah. before in these comics and so because of that i really got to say that, that it's my top and plus i want to get you know the tops for these so I, but but honestly i, I like strontium dog too so i want to say those two are my co-tops which yeah, I gotta get sure. out of the way because I'm real worried about Halo Jones taking the rest of my tops for the first, <laughs> you know, couple episodes of 1986 because I read some of it and I'm like, it's ridiculous. Um, anyhow, <laughs> for my bottom, I think I'm gonna say Dread again, just as a process of elimination almost. Um, 
There was some really good dread stuff in here. I like that ugly ball, like Cliff Robinson doing the ugly stuff is really interesting. Oh, sure. You know, it's, it's different than Ron Smith's, but um, still, you know, real fun. And I like the the Mean Machine story. It was real fun. It was really great just to have this extended, like, Mean Machine story um, with a Christmas feeling. And then just Mean is always just so funny, you know, just sort of. <laughs> then he just, uh, he just smashes a dude who has a bunch of C4 on his chest and explodes. I love when anybody says something to Mean and he just says, that's so. And he headbutts him. You know, that's real good stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but and then I thought the lurk like I agree that the lurker storyline was very uh, future shocky, yeah. but I thought it was also kind of fun and just another sort of the, like you know I like when there's a story that's just sort of here is a weird person that lives in Mega City One, you know what I mean? Oh sure, um, yeah. yeah. So, so I, mean, I thought that's that was what okay. It creates as a city, right? Is somebody yeah. like the lurker? Yeah, if you will, sort of uh, get just getting by. So again, so I'm going to say dread on the bottom, but again, it's more just sort of like. You know, ends up being sort of a B in comparison to some A plus stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums. Or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. And now, Fox, dude, we finished 1985. Oh Whoa. my God. Achievement unlocked. Seriously. Yeah, so everybody come back on Thursday as we reflect on the year in thrills with our usual year in review show, The Spinnies. <laughs> And then we'll have previews for 1986, and we'll be talking about in 2019 as well. Whoa. Uh, and oh, But then, don't stop there. Come back on Monday as, as we start 1986 with a bang. As the Warlord comes to Mega City 1, we keep rolling along with Slain. The Strontium Dogs sail away. And we've got two big returns, Ace Truckin', and of course, By God, Halo Jones. Book 3 starts next episode. Ooh. Yeah, it's good. Until then, I'm Connor at East Fox, and we are Space Dinner 2000. Splunting for three.